Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, parents. Did you know your kids' money habits start as early as the second grade? Help them build money skills for the real world with GoHenry, the debit card and financial learning app for kids 6 to 18. Use it to check off chores, set savings goals, automate allowance, and more. Families love it. 92% of parents said their kids were more money confident after using the app. Get started at GoHenry.com, promo code SMART. Kmart announces the Freedom Store is closing forever. Millions of dollars in inventory must be sold. Storewide discounts up to 75% off. Every department is on sale. All fine jewelry, fashion apparel, footwear, toys, health and beauty aids, and cosmetics are now on sale in-store. Everything must go. Nothing held back. Selling to the bare walls. Even store fixtures are all for sale. Shop now for best selection only at the Kmart store in Freedom at 1702 Freedom Boulevard. It is business as usual at all other Kmart stores. What's up, everybody? This is Hall of Fame wide receiver Terrell Owens here, a.k.a. T.O. Get your popcorn ready. Do a favor. Leave my guy Connor a five-star rating after the show. Listen to it. uh, Give him some feedback. And also, if you want to listen to my podcast as well, uh, check it out. Subscribe, share. Uh, you know, you don't need to leave a five-star rating. You know, uh, we're five-star. I'm five-star uh, all the time. Uh, my podcast is called Get Your Popcorn Ready with T.O. and Hatch. Uh, again, check out both of those podcasts. And hey, check it out. Listen and subscribe. Thanks for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you get the podcast, we greatly appreciate it. My co-host Tyler Steggy in the house with me, Connor Miles here. We have some big, 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 big news on Eagles Brawl that we want to announce real quick. We now have our own personal Eagles insider who will be joining the show frequently, giving us insight, tips, everything that we need to know about the pod. You guys know him very well because he covers the Eagles for Sports Illustrated. My guy, Ed Cross in the house. Ed, thanks for joining the show, and also thanks for coming on New Eagles Insider. We greatly appreciate it, my guy. Hey, man, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to the uh, the association here. I enjoy your guys' work, so why not join you? And everyone in Eagles Nation enjoys your work. We all no. we all read the articles. Uh, I think what I enjoy about your work the most is, like, if you put something out there and we have a question – you're going to reply. I yeah. know a hundred times out of a hundred times, if I say something about Ed's articles or something about his opinions, he's going to give me an answer. Most of these guys are, which I understand it's social media. There's a lot of followings. There's a lot of, some of these guys are verified and a lot of people hit them up and stuff like that. But I mean, a lot of people ask you questions and you, you make sure to respond to everybody right away. So that's why I was like, you know, everybody's on the podcast wave right now. That's where, this is where pretty much the sports media market's going is in the podcast world. You hear everybody on there. I haven't heard Ed on there, just besides the fact he's replying on social media. Let's ask him if he wants to frequently come on the show and give us some Eagles insight and tips. Since you're you're on the scene, you're there every day. You see the stuff that we don't get to see, that we just debate about. It's greater to have your perspective on the show more frequently. So uh, I'm truly honored. I know Tyler is as well. And I know Johnny's very excited and wants to get on here and talk with you too. So uh, let's get this rolling. I'm yeah. excited. 
Yeah. Th- thanks a lot, guys. Of course. So just to start off the show, I'm sorry to become a huge Greg Ward fan. And I just made some kind of tweet where I said, in Ward we trust, because I'm just making jokes about the Chip Kelly. He did it. It kind of blew up. But the the reactions to it was where some people were like, he doesn't deserve a roster spot, which I'm like, I don't I don't know where how you get that theory. And then some other people are like, you know, he does have to compete for it, which I, I agree. I agree with that. And then some people are like, yeah, he has to make the team. And now there's coming out that he might even be in the rotation to start a slot to be on the number one in the dead trial. I agree with that. I think he should. I know that they'll go slot by committee this year with all the different receivers they brought in. All these guys are interchangeable at different spots this time around. It's not the Nelson Aguilar's and Jordan Matthews of the world. You have guys you can move around rotate. But for dead chart purposes, we're hearing now that Greg Ward's in the real top flight com- uh, competitive level to be the starting slot wide receiver. For me, with Wentz, he hasn't had that much reliability receiving-wise. You saw that connection towards the end of the season with Greg Ward. He started to rely on him more. He started trusting the situations. That toss-up to the end of the end zone to Washington to win the game, that was nothing but complete trust in your guy right there to throw it up and hope that he makes the catch. To me, Greg Ward's got to make the team, and, and I agree with him starting that slot. Where are you, where are you with this on this? Ed? Are you are you on the Greg Ward train as well? Well, yeah, I don't see how you can't be, and I can't wait to see how big your commitment is, Connor, when I see a Greg Ward jersey hanging behind you uh, with your <laughs> – Oh, yeah, it's and happening. Your and your, your Jackson. Is that Jackson there? Or Jenkins, yeah. Uh, yeah, Jenkins got Samuel. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see how big your commitment grows over these next few weeks because, um, you know, I am – I think, you know, I don't see how you can't go into the season without Greg Ward as part of this receiver mix. Um, you know, when Aaron Moorhead, the receivers coach, was on – uh, Zoom with us earlier in the week, and uh, he kind of doubled down on what Doug Peterson said even before that when Peterson said he can be a leader in that wide receiver room. And Moorhead went a step further and said he is a leader in that receiver room, which says a lot when you have someone like Deshaun Jackson. Um, but as far as uh, uh, his play, I mean, what he did over those final six games last year, I think he had 28 catches and almost 300 yards. And you mentioned that great touchdown catch that he had kind of in the corner of the end zone. He went up over a former All-Pro and Josh Norman to pull that catch down for the touchdown, which happened in the last 30 seconds of the game. So, you know, that's a huge clutch play. And Moorhead made a comment, which was interesting too, and he said that, you know, Ward's confidence is really high right now based on what he did last year. And also with that is Wentz's confidence is high in Ward right now too. And, you know, that's a connection that, you know, it's a shame that we had this off season that we did. They couldn't kind of grow on that on the field. They had to do it virtually. But um, they're supposed to have pads on for the next couple weeks of camp, and we're going to see how that connection grows. And I suspect that it's going to just continue to get better. And then one more thing about Ward is I, I don't think you can just pigeonhole him as a, a slot receiver either. I, I think he could play on the outside, get some snaps on the outside too, um, kind of a different – type of receiver than Deshaun Jackson would be on the outside. Ward's more of a technician uh, with running routes. He doesn't have that great speed, but he is a former quarterback, remember, at the University of Houston. And, you know, it took him a couple years to make the transition to receiver. Um, And Moorhead mentioned that, you know, because of that background, he understands zone concepts. He understands um, man coverages. uh, And that kind of knowledge would require that he probably play more than just the slot. I think you're going to see him line up outside too. Uh, in some games this year, depending on matchups. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing with Ward, and you you hit it with with what Moorhead said is is 
you're going into the year, you're already starting to get first team reps and you already have that chemistry built with Wentz. Um, so that's going to be the the biggest thing moving into this year. It's just the only question I have, or I guess for his role is when you're trying to fit, you know, you have Rager and you have DJX and then, you know, you have Ertz and Goddard. It's just going to be really hard. There's a lot of mouths to feed in this offense. And before Goodwin got or decided to opt out, I thought that I, I didn't think that it was a lock for Ward to, to make the team. Um, but that decision kind of supplemented to me to, to kind of, okay, I, I can kind of see a, a role for, for Ward. I, I, I think I can't really see the, the receiving corpse not including Ward at this point. Um, I do think it's a, it, it'll be a, a, a good year. I, I'm seeing people saying that he might lead the, the receivers in receptions. I don't know about that. Um, obviously, it depends on health and inju- uh, injuries and stuff. But um, I do think that, that there will be a, a legitimate, legitimate role for, for Ward. Right. And I, uh, there's nothing wrong with – he's the perfect type of guy that would be a death piece, though, anyways. Like, like I think he's the perfect type of guy for those – to be in that position of – there's too many mouths to feed, just make the plays when they come – Take advantage of your opportunities. That's what he's been doing his whole entire career so far. He's taking advantage of his opportunities. So I agree with you, Ed, though. I think when you look at Julian Edelman, I think a lot of people pigeonhole him as a slot, but he does a lot more than just slot. He does work on the outside. He does the the intermediate stuff, really, basically, as a wide receiver. And that's what I see with Ward, too, because I honestly think seeing him improve each week, his route running really improved. Uh, and especially, like you said, the former quarterback thing, he, he sees the vision. His vision is so much different than a bunch of these wide receivers by having that former quarterback into him. Uh, he's got to make the team. He's it's a, make that's the his team. best trait, I think, is his spatial awareness. It's for, only that. And the thing about Goodwin, too, because I, I agree with you. I mean, the speed is important to add, and that's why they traded for him, obviously. But I think we know what Goodwin is no matter what. I think his career has shown what he is. He's either going to get hurt or he's either going to play – Semi well, average well. I know that 2017 season with the 49ers, he had over, over 900 yards, but uh, he was the only option on that offense that year with CJ Behart. To me, that's like a Jordan Matthews type uh, usage there. I don't think he's ever been that great, is what I'm saying. I don't know if we know what Ward is yet. He's young, he's still transitioning to wide receiver, like Ed said. And not only that, the fact that the wide receiver coach, who's seen a ton of young guys, he's coached a ton of young guys in college. Is coming into this team coaching young guys again, and I I put Greg Ward in that category, and he's already raving about the guy as soon as he gets here. That speaks volumes to me. So I, I to me, I think we're undervaluing Greg Ward at this point. We're undervaluing his relationship with Wentz. We're undervaluing the reliability he proved on the field. He only dropped one pass last year. Again, he only saw twenty eight targets, but uh, for the Eagles wide receivers, that's still in common. And then we're seeing a guy that's really just getting in into his own still. So. I want to feed on that potential. That's why I was always team Ward make the team because we haven't seen the best of him yet. Whereas we've seen the best. We know what Deshaun is. We need Deshaun no matter what. Uh, he's the best deep threat on this team. He's one of the best deep threats in the NFL. So we know what Deshaun is. We know what Alshon is. I, I, there's no way he improves at all during the rest. It's all going downhill with Alshon no matter what. Uh, we don't know what Rager is. We don't know what uh, J.D. Arcega-Whiteside is. We don't know what Greg Ward is. We don't know what these rookie, uh, high tower Watkins are. I rather start focusing on the what we don't know what it is instead of focusing on what we do know what it is because what we do know what it is isn't really something to be confident about. Yeah, that's, you made a good point, Connor. Uh, as far as the ceiling for Ward, we we don't know what the ceiling is because he is still transitioning. And then something else to keep in mind is you know this Aaron Moorhead's the fifth wide receiver coach in five years 
under Doug Peterson. So that kind of turnover, uh, you know, different philosophies, different ways of, you know, doing things, running routes. I mean, you know, that, that hasn't done anybody on that receiver core any favor. And Greg Ward probably in particular, um, just to have so many different philosophies being thrown at him each year, um, you know, and no one else is really in that boat that's been here that long. I mean, I know Jeffrey has been, but he's a veteran. He's going to do things the way he sees fit. But, you know, Ward has to find his own game. And he's had five different – or well, since he got here, probably three different voices maybe or four even uh, different receiver coaches. So, it's you know, yeah, I know. Hopefully Moorhead can bring some stability to that group and stick around for a couple of years. And we'll, and we'll see what Ward's ceiling eventually becomes. And just I do what- have some – Ahead, I have a que- I just have a question. Have you heard anything? Because I've heard way a huge time frame. Whether it, it I, what are what is the expectation with Alshon Jeffrey? Like, is there? Are, are, should we expect December? Should we expect? I've heard September. I've heard October. I've heard November. I don't know what the hell to expect with Alshon. It's like, do you have any idea? Well, you, yeah. Right now, he's on the pup list, as we all know, the unable, physically unable to perform list. So. Uh, it's the active pup list, but once they begin to trim their roster to 53 players, um, and it's nice that they have 16 practice squad guys they can put on too, including some veterans. You're allowed up to six veterans on that practice squad now. But as far as Jeffrey goes, they have you know another couple weeks before they make that decision. And uh, as far as where he is health wise, everybody seems to say that he's on track. Of course, I haven't seen him. We haven't been at the facility, um, but everybody seems to say, hey, he's on track to. Uh, to get back on the field, but they don't say when, whether that'll be September 13th. But, you know, once they make the decision whether or not to keep him on the roster, if they think it's only going to be a couple weeks that he's going to miss and kind of bite the bullet at the expense of some other receivers to keep him on the roster, or whether they put him on injured reserve and then you're without him for at least six weeks. um, You know, my suspicion is, is they're probably just going to put him on the IR and go without for six weeks and take a look at some of these other guys because, you know, you have two other draft picks. Everybody talks about Rager, but you still have, you know, Quez Watkins and John Hightower in that mix. And uh, you want to make sure you can see all you can see in whatever time's allowed here uh, as to what they can do. But my, my suspicion is uh, Jeffrey will probably start the year on the IR. I don't, I can't say for hundred percent sure, but I think that would be the direction that they would go just to look at some of the other younger guys and know Jeffrey's there that he can come off in six weeks. Plus, I mean, you're asking a, a, a wide receiver that's dealt with so many injuries to come off a list Frank injury, a guy that's a physical wide receiver, not a speed guy, a physical big wide receiver to come off a list Frank injury. I'm just not confident about Alshon Jeffrey. A lot of I people would, are getting confident about him because yeah. they, he did this Instagram post where he's working out and he looks buff and, uh, this is the season of off, says, this is the season of hype of off season workouts. Like it's crazy. People see a a picture is. of a guy or something, and then they say he's in for his like biggest year of his career. It's nuts. Um, but I do think it's best to take the slow. Do not rush Alshon, just in case this team is dealt with injuries. Don't rush him because I don't yeah. think he brings much positivity, anyways. Yeah. Like, I think the best case scenario for the Eagles is they actually do well without Alshon. Where the point where like keep him on IR. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think let's just move on after the season. I think you'd be nervous exposing one of these draft picks to uh you know the waiver wire because to get them to the practice squad they have to first uh pass through waivers. And I think, you know, if the Eagles like them enough, I don't think they're gonna risk doing that and they'll just ride with Jeffrey being on the IR, let him take another six weeks right. and it's still October. And most people 
Yeah. And most people don't want to do that, though, because they want to take the proven commodity over the unknown. But in this situation, Alshon's a lame duck in Philadelphia. It's over to me. I think it's completely done. They're just The fact that he's still on the team is because of that contract. Yeah. If it wasn't for the contract, he's gone. Well, that's true. I mean, and then you look at the salary cap, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But, you know, he's definitely on his last leg here in Philadelphia. So, you know, why be in a, in a, in a hurry to activate him at the expense of guys that you probably are going to have to count on uh, over the next couple of years because they're cheap. Uh, and you hope that they're good and you hope that they can contribute. So I, my suspicion is Jeffrey will be on the IR come September, whenever they have to do it, the 10th, maybe something like that before, you know, before the first game. I agree with that. So let's segue into the Zach Ertz extension now because there's a dilemma going on with the Eagles cap going next year, as we just mentioned. Uh, Kittle gets paid, I think, what, it was a $16 million per. Uh, Kelsey gets paid, I think it was $14 million per around there. Is it – I mean, I to me, you have to keep Zach Ertz. The thing that everybody keeps going to focus on with the cap situation is uh, how are they going for this? When I'm looking at the Chiefs, and they had 177 bucks before they did the Mahomes, Chris Jones, and Kelsey extension, they're giving extensions to their own players, though. They don't, they, they're in a bad cap situation, but they're extending their own players. The Eagles could be in a bad cap situation, but that, I don't think that's a dilemma for them to extend their own players, per se. I think they could still extend Zach Ertz, how he fits his little cap magic. Maybe the 2021 20, figure is low, and there's more guarantees. I don't know. I, Zach Ertz I'm isn't going anywhere, man. He's not going no. anywhere. How many good teams? No. First of all, how many good teams allow one of their best players to just walk? And secondly, how often do you see the Eagles allow some of their good players to walk? It just rarely happens. The Eagles aren't in a position to let Zach Ertz walk. It's, to be it's, honest it's, with you. They, they don't. They're, they're not in the receiving position to do that. They can't look. Zach, they can't look Carson Wentz in the eye. Say, look, we we've given you this receiving talent all this all this time. We're sorry, but uh, we're just not going to pay Zach Ertz. Like, like that's a that's not going to sit well with your franchise quarterback. I don't think they've yeah. ever done a move where it doesn't sit well with Wentz. They, they always try to load up for Wentz. Uh, has it worked out every time? No, but has the ever been there to load up for Wentz? I believe so. Uh, I I don't think it's always been the right move. I think they banked on Deshaun by himself at the age of thirty three wasn't the best move, and I think they banked on Alshon Jeffrey being the long term guy for Wentz when. Wasn't necessarily the best fit, wasn't the best move, but they always tried ever since his rookie year to add up the receiving talent for him. For them to just go, yeah, we're just not going to pay Zach Ertz now because we had Dallas Goddard. That's what the majority of the Twitter opinion seems to be is the consensus seems to be you have Dallas Goddard who needs to get paid soon. Why would you pay Zach Ertz at the age of 30? And that's just so half cycle. And, and one thing, because I know Ed's, Ed's got some, some, some juice here, but yeah. I think people think that Zach Ertz's career is almost over. And that is the biggest misconception, or at least his prime. Zach Ertz is very yeah. much still in his prime right he's now. Out the last, well, his last two years are the best of his career. Right. So, so where's, there's, the, where's the evidence that he's slowing down? And then secondly, this we and we've we've hit on it on previous episodes, the tight end position does does not – this isn't a short shelf life. This is not a running back. He's he's 29 years old. He's trying, and Ed'll get on it. I don't it, even but, like to call him a tight end anymore. Like, right? We're, it, we're at the point. We're at the point where you can't positionize these 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 receiving options because the Eagles don't have guys they can rely on. And then if you, you look around, just, if you look around the league, you said George Kittle's the best tight end in the league, arguably. He's making 14 million a year. If you compare that to the receiving market, tight ends are underpaid as a whole. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's not like when you're paying Zach Ertz, even if he gets top three money, you're not. 
he's he deserves top 10 wide receiver money. That's what Zach Ertz deserves. So if you're giving him top three tight end money, it's not as if you're paying him 20 million a year. You're giving him 13 a year, which is pretty damn affordable for one of the best players on your team. <laughs> right. All right. So Ed, you get it that pretty much Tyler and I are all for paying him. So what what's a what's 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 the dilemma? What do you what do you bring the logic to it at least? Bring the insight. <laughs> well, I, I will say it's tempting to think about what you could get for Zach Ert- Ertz on the open market. Uh, and listen, when Jalen no, Hurts end the show. Game, it's going to be tough to say Ertz to Ertz. I mean, you know, Merle Reese is probably, you know, practicing in front of his mirror saying that Hurts to Ertz. But, uh, you know, listen, I, I think Zach Ertz should be on this team. There's no doubt. I mean, it was interesting when he Zoomed with us a co- uh, earlier in the week. Uh, last week when he said that, you know, he's still early in his career and he's going to be in his eighth year. And, you know, that's his mindset is he's still early, man. He he still wants to play this game. He loves playing this game and he wants to play it as long as he possibly can. And, you know, he played with a lacerated kidney last year that he got late in the season. I mean, this guy's tough. Um, so, but, you know, he wants to keep playing. He wants to be He's got the desire to be a Hall of Fame tight end. He even mentioned that was one of his goals uh, back when he was preparing for the combine uh, before entering the league. So, I mean, this guy has the desire. He's a good leader inside that locker room. The Eagles do like to take care of their own. Uh, Zach Ertz is a homegrown guy. I mean, he came in the second round, um, you know, and he's really proven to be, like you said, Carson Wentz's best weapon, best friend. Um, but the Eagles did trade Jordan Matthews back in 2017 too, who was Wentz's uh, best friend at the time. So, you know, there is that part of this uh, decision that is a business decision, but, um, you know, to get rid of Ertz, who is on that hall of fame trajectory, I think would be a mistake, but now you have to look at the financial side of things. The Eagles were 51 million over the cap before it was learned that the cap is probably going to go down by 23 million or so. Um, that's just a projection. That's nothing definite, but if it does happen, there's 75 or 6 million over the cap. And you've got guys on this team that are making big money against the cap. Fletcher Cox will be 22 million against the cap. And uh, Lane Johnson counts 16 million and Brandon Brooks is 14 million. And Carson Wentz's salary cap hit jumps from 18 million this year to 34 million next year. So there is going to have to be some really difficult decisions to be made um, if you want to keep Zach Ertz. And I think the Eagles really do. And I, I believe that they will probably, at least I would think, they're going to have an extension in place at some point before this season. How that impacts Dallas's Goddard, Dallas Goddard's contract situation, I mean, that's just another bridge they're going to have to cross at that time. I mean, as tempting it is to think about what you could get for Ertz on the open market, what could you get for Goddard, uh, who's 25, 26 years old? Could they possibly trade him? Um, they brought in an undrafted free agent from Oregon State, Noah Tagai, I think his name is. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it, but they're pretty high on that guy. And, you know, he had a good college career. And, again, we haven't seen what he can do. He probably hasn't been able to show what he can do because of this crazy offseason. But he's a guy they're high on. Um, Josh Perkins. You know, he's a tight end. He's not much of a blocker, but he can catch if you're going to go to that two tight end personnel set. So, you know, everybody thinks maybe Ertz gets dealt, but it could be Goddard because I think Ertz is going to remain a part of this team going forward. Is it too early to say tight end factory? No, I think that I would rather say tight end factory than quarterback factory because I don't uh, they haven't really proved me much for the quarterback factory side of it yet. I, I am. That's a that's a good point. And I'm 
a lot of people are banking on the team to just move forward with Goddard. And I love his potential. I think I was very excited when they drafted him. I am curious to see or a few things. I wonder if he's going to want, because if they extend Ertz, then he knows he's going to be in his shadow. So I wonder if Goddard's ever going to get to the point where he's like, I want to go form my own tight end one role. I don't want to be in this two tight end thing where I'm, I'm sharing a role. That is kind of like a, that's going to dictate how much he's going to want, right? You know, it, it could be 8 million or it could be 12 million a year. So right. I think, I think if he's on the open market, he could do Austin Hooper type numbers. I, I agree. Cause I think, I think he could be a starting tight end for a lot of teams. He's but a complete my, tight end. Here's my, here's my thing. Next year, Deshaun's gone. Alshon's gone. I, Deshaun is not a for sure gone. That is not. That, people keep claiming Deshaun's that. I don't. Gone. Deshaun Alshon's is not for sure gone. gone. Ah, Goodwin's that's frustrating. Probably gone. <laughs> They're gonna have all of these wide receiver contracts that aren't gonna be expensive. You can't. You can't say I, that the team's number the one will not be on the team for sure. You just can't do that. That is a crazy assumption. Well, that's why you these young guys they drafted. They hit right him. on paper. On paper, it sounds great. We're just going to let these these young guys groom into this role. I just I agree that there's going to be a lot of because they're so high on the cap. There's going to be a lot of of, of roster trimming, but I don't think that you can force. Yeah, maybe sure. he renegotiates. Maybe he re, maybe he because he's not going to come back on his current deal. That's for damn sure. It's but, okay. Yeah, it kind of it kind of sucks for the Eagles that they have both their tight ends coming out of their contract years in 2021. I mean, they're going to have to make a decision sooner rather than later. And you know, again, I'm my not, issue is you could pay both if you're not paying wide receivers. Yeah, that's but good. then once it comes time, once it comes time to like start paying, like say a Rager, let's just say a Rager, or even a guy you draft in 2021, because I'm sure they're going to draft another wide receiver this next upcoming draft. Then that's when Goddard's contract starts to end. Maybe that's when Ertz's contract starts to end, and that's when he gets older. Even then, I think the situation is roll with the two tight ends that proven to you to be reliable and don't get hurt all the time, and then from moving forward, go young at wide receiver with these young contracts. Hopefully, they become something. And by the time that they need to get paid, Ertz and Goddard are getting out of those deals, and you can at that time move on because. Look, they just don't know what they – the wide receiver picture is so unclear. We can debate about it all we want. Uh, next year, I think it, the, the picture is even murkier than it is this this upcoming year. So that's why I'm saying keep the two reliable receiving options that you know you have that Carson Wentz loves. Go cheap at that position that you still don't know anything about. Why invest resources in a position you don't know much about? Uh, that's just my thing. When you know you have these two bona fide studs – your 12 personnel offense is working. You're one of the best runs out offenses because of it. Uh, just keep going once we're working. That's what I'm saying. I, I I don't know. They drafted all these young speed guys. They're on the rookie contract for a while. That's all they needed. That's really all they needed because Ertz and Goddard, to me, Zach Ertz is the Michael Thomas of the Eagles offense, and Dallas Goddard is one of the best tight ends, probably top 10. Yeah. So you have a top 10 tight end, and then you have a tight end who's playing a wide receiver possession wide receiver role on your team and then just put speed on the outside works for me i would keep rolling with that i agree with that i agree with get speed on the outside sign your studs i don't mind i don't mind that being the kind of the foundation that's why i think a lot of because even johnny gets stuck in that too he's like we need an x receiver we need an x receiver i'm like no you don't you you have Ertz. you can put Ertz at x and then you have Goddard running the the regular tight end uh, one. But set. I mean, the infatuation with having a true just number one guy is always. I mean, Rager could turn into that. We'll yeah. see. 
That's the hope. That's what yeah. they're, you know, they yeah. picked the 25th I mean, overall like, with that hope. Like Hurts makes me not infatuated with it, though. If I want a playmaker, I don't, because I think a lot of people don't, I think Tyler does, and I think many do, and I think I, I've made myself, but not many people throughout his career considered Sean Jackson a, a number one wide receiver. They considered him a deep threat, and that was it. A one-trick pony, which, I mean, you could agree or disagree. That's a whole different conversation. But if you can get Rager to be a one-trick pony, and then you can get Ertz to be your possession guy, and then Goddard to be your tight end still, like, what's wrong? I don't see anything wrong here. Because Ertz can play wide receiver. He has the route running of wide receiver. So I guess we're all on board with we're keeping Zach Ertz, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and let's not forget about the backfield. You know, the Eagles have you know two great pass catchers out of the backfield, and Miles Sanders and Baldwin Scott. I mean, you know, you can run these guys on wheel routes more more often than not, and put them out. You can line Sanders up probably out wide as a receiver on plays. I mean, these guys have that kind of ability. So it's like Tyler said at the beginning of the of the show. You know, a lot of mouths to feed, and um, you know, you can't forget about the backfield in this mix too when you're looking at targets. Uh, in the past game, a lot of mouths to feed, but not a lot of egos to feed. At least that's uh, the biggest. Yes, yes. There's, there's, a lot of, there's the one ego that was on the team is uh, covered, covered from Liz Frank injury and probably probably done with his Eagles career anyway. So, I do think um, Rager potentially could have one, which I don't mind. He's he seems like a guy that's going to it, demand the ball. It, it's going to be at the point where he needs to have it. So I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah, but don't underestimate the Sean's uh, ego either, though. <laughs> right? Don't yeah. Worry. Bring some of that too. I love I'm it. I'm not man. worried because the the one game that they played together though was one of the most electric games Deshaun Jackson had in his career. So I I, I think that ego will just be final Carson once. So Ed, you were just real quick because I know we have a lot to cover. Ed, you were there last training camp, right? Uh, 2019 yep. going in. Yep. How? So I kept reading every day. It seemed that Deshaun was just dominating in camp. Was it as? Was it as like? Was it that clear? Like was he he and Wentz just? Yeah, you could see you could see the magic developing yeah. in camp last year, and then we saw it when the lid came off in the first game. What you know that that was kind of what training camp looked like, and man, it was so exciting to see. And you thought, wow, here we go! This is going to be an amazing year with the deep game part of things. You know, this explosion, and then it, it all goes down down the tubes when Jackson gets hurt, and that's the problem with depending on Jackson as he yeah. gets hurt way too much but yeah you could see it and and look at this year I mean I you guys probably saw the tweet I think it was or on Instagram it was Deshaun Jackson put out there and one-on-one coverage against Darius Slay you know the lockdown corner and he's roasting Slay he's blowing right by him I mean you know Deshaun is no question an electric talent uh in in any offense and it's just a matter credit though that was a free release the Slayer's yeah. credit, that was a free release because everybody's killing Darius Slay now. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh. I know. and he was in press coverage. But, you know, Deshaun looked healthy to me, man. That sports attorney is – Oh, no, yeah, he looks good. Yeah, yeah he Cap- looks good. I, I, really good. I don't remember who said it. I think it was Kaplan. I said that he's up to like 175 or 177, which is like the yeah, – it was the, Kaplan. He did yeah. say that. I saw that. I like that too. That's good. Yeah. I like that. And, and he was still playing full speed, so right. yeah, I like that. But, all right, let's segue into this – Last topic I want to get into real quick, and then we'll get into our quick hits. Um, not sure if you saw this, Ed, but I tweeted out an article about Brandon Brooks' rehab, and I, I was like, they put him on the active PUP. Now, when I said this, I was fully aware of that. We don't know what the NFL season is going to look like. We don't know when it's going it, to – it might be delayed. It might be shortened. So I don't think any team's going to make an IR decision right now anyways. I think they're going to do active PUP just because we don't know what's going to go on. And that's just the smart thing to do. If you don't know what's going to go on, you don't make a definite decision then. Right. So when I wrote this, I fully understood that. 
And I hope everybody out there that's listening to this now know that I fully understood. A lot of us are looking for ways to start our day feeling more joy and appreciation. And while some of us write gratitude lists or do yoga, others pour themselves a bowl of their favorite cereal, Honey Nut Cheerios. Because not only are Honey Nut Cheerios delicious, they can help lower cholesterol as part of a heart-healthy diet. So maybe the secret to a great mood all day is a little yoga. Then writing your gratitude list over a bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios. Learn more about a heart-healthy lifestyle at Cheerios.com. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. But I did highlight, Brandon Brooks did get hurt in that divisional game towards Achilles' end and was back on the field in week one, which was like an eight-month recovery. I cited that maybe he does the same thing and he's back in like end of December, early January when the Eagles actually might need him the most because who knows what the offensive line looks. I mean, the offensive line towards the end of the season has fallen apart a couple times lately. So maybe that's when they decide they need him the most. Maybe Peters isn't available. Maybe right guard's not looking too hot. Or maybe Diller's not looking too hot. They moved me to move Peters the left tackle again. Who knows? A bunch of situations. But I wrote this article and he replied to it. And he put a Kim Kardashian gif of her looking around the corner with a big <laughs> smile on her face. And then uh, all the speculation started. And I used to, I was seeing a ton of podcasts uh, pick up, like, could this happen? Could this happen? I'm like, well, I think I need to address this on my show since I wrote the article. But, Ed, I'm seeing his rehab right now and seeing all the weight that he lost so he could even speed through this rehab even faster now. Is Am I crazy for thinking that this theory might be plausible at least? I don't think he comes back in December. I mean, that would be kind of what six months uh, and eight months in less than eight months the last time. And that was really lauded for such a quick recovery time. So, I, you know, I think for him to do it in six months would be asking a lot. Maybe he comes back for the Super Bowl if the Eagles are in the Super Bowl and we have a Super Bowl in uh, February. But I, I like your theory about you didn't know what the season was going to look like. And we didn't know if we were going to start on time. We don't know if we're going to finish on time. So why be in a rush to just kind of shut him down and put him on season-ending IR uh, before you really have to? Uh, the Eagles are just kind of hedging their bets. But I think as we get closer to the season, we see that we're going to, we're going to start on time, I believe, on September 13th for the Eagles. September 10th is when you know the first game kicks off. But I think we're going to see the start, whether or not it proceeds – over, you know, a normal 16 weeks plus playoffs, you know, we don't know. So, you know, perhaps if the season gets pushed back a little bit, then Brooks could make a return. But I, I just don't see him coming back anytime before, you know, the divisional round of the playoffs. And by then, do you really want to put a guy out there? Uh, again, you don't know what the line will look like, but you would assume if you're in the playoffs and you're in the divisional round, your line's been pretty good. So I don't think you'd want to mess with that mojo and throw Brooks in there if he's healthy at that point. Um, I like that, though. You don't know what the season's going to look like. So if it gets pushed or something crazy happens, then maybe Brooks can come back, uh, you know, for whatever season might be left in February and March. Who knows? I just don't want to doubt this man, though. He's, I was going to say. freaking nature. Uh, and then, just... not only that, he has, like, the best mentor of how to come back from these things, too, in Jason Peters. Yeah, he's done it like a way old age himself. So I, I, we'll see. I'm, I mean, if you get into the playoffs, and I know I, I don't know if it really because again there is rust and everything, 
but the chemistry I think is automatically going to be there. And then you get the addition of a top three talent at his, at his position. I, I don't know. It's going to be tempting. I think if he's good to go, but uh, I think you are right. I think realistically to expect it would be wrong to do. Um, but you, but, but you're right. man, don't underestimate Brooks, man. That guy oh, yeah, no. he gets after it. He's tough. Um, something about the Eagles O-line, man, because you can't underestimate Jason Peters. You can't underestimate Jason Kelsey. You can't underestimate Brandon Brooks. Right. And then didn't didn't Lane Johnson play with like a sprained MCL? or? Right, yeah. He plays for injuries all the time too. So it's crazy what they do with the offensive linemen over there. Yeah, I know. They Same. just wrap it up. I mean, I've seen Kelsey play through some stuff. I mean, I remember one game and. I don't know what it might have been Washington a couple years he ago. He played through a sports hernia, I believe. Yeah, but he played through some knee stuff that wasn't really widely published. Oh yeah, take something off his a wrap off his knee, and his leg was black. I mean, look, like looked like it needed to be amputated. I mean, that that's how bad it was, and you know, almost nauseating to look at. And you know, he just got up and he kind of limped off with the trainer. But I'm looking at the leg, and it looked like they were going to go, you know, cut it off. I mean, that's how, <laughs> that's how tough Kelsey. All these guys across the front, man, they are they are tough. Tough too. They're definitely built different. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so let's get into some little quick hits real quick that we want to hit on. So, uh, Jatavius Brown retires, which I kind of like – I mean, it was unlocked for him to make the team anyways, but I kind of thought with his experience – and, I mean, he did look well his first couple of seasons in, uh, when it was the San Diego Chargers yeah. that he could compete for a starting job here. But now we're looking at Nate Gary, Duke Riley, TJ Edwards, Davion Taylor, Sean Bradley, Alex Singleton, and Dante Olsen. Is this really the guys they're going to roll with, or we're going to see a training camp tree? What do you think? Yeah, well, I think one name maybe to keep an eye on is the guy in Arizona from Temple, Hassan Reddick. I don't think he's making the Cardinals. I think he's going to get cut. Um, You know, maybe the Eagles even look to trade for him, throwing a conditional pick out there or something uh, to get him to Philadelphia. He would bring some experience. A fresh start might help him. He's a former number one uh, draft pick. He's a local guy from Temple. Um, so he's a name to keep an eye on. But other than that, I mean, the oldest guy on this linebacker core is Alex Singleton. He's 26. You know, everybody, all these other linebackers are 25 years and younger. So you don't have that veteran presence anymore. I mean, who's going to call the signals? Uh, who's going to wear that uh, that headset in their helmet? I mean, probably Nathan Gary at this point. But uh, it's a very, very fragile group, very young group, inexperienced group. So I think they're going to make the move to bring somebody in maybe with some experience. They tried it with Brown. They haven't had a whole luck in the past with guys like Paul Warlow and LJ Fort and Corey Nelson um, just haven't worked out, but maybe Hassan Reddick could be a name to watch there. I like the Hassan Reddick pick. I think that's a good pick. And not only that, I think because uh, Clemson added, I mean, oh, excuse me, Arizona added Isaiah Simmons and they added uh, Devon Kennard and uh, Devontae Campbell and they had Jordan Hicks, obviously. There's not, there's no room for Reddick in there anymore. And they didn't really know how to use him much either. I think coming to a two linebacker system with a bunch of range and for him to move around, because that's, he really played like a safety type role at Temple too. So I, I like that pick. I think that's a good pick. And it's something where the Eagles have to give up a low draft pick and he's on a rookie salary already. So that's yeah. definitely higher as with type move. I could see that happening for sure. Yeah. Uh, you want anything to add, Tyler? Because I think that Gary is going to be the main linebacker this year though. Yeah, and I think TJ Edwards has a chance too. I think he'll be the in traditional base. Um, I don't think that he could cover really well, but um, in, a, in a base set, I do think he'll be the, the guy that holds it down the middle. Um, and then we talked about Taylor. We're, we're excited about his potential. I just don't know how he's going to do year one. And I'm somebody who kind of in this scheme can kind of pass over linebackers. I'm like, you know, they could kind of plug and play. Um, but I'm getting a little nervous <laughs> with this with this group. It's, uh, it's like when you emphasize the D-line as much as they do, like I said, you can 
kind of pass on it, but you need to have somebody uh, to, to be able to, and, and, and Bradham has been kind of that guy the last few years. And um, I don't know, it gets cold and, and, and you, I, I think Edwards may be able to, to, to shape out that role. I don't, there's a lot of question marks and the, the crappy thing is we don't have preseason. Right. So the, in, in what position needs more than linebackers to be able to go and, and, and hit and, um, it's going to be tough. That's going to be a lot of I'm, – I'm sure they're going to be filtering through a few different looks. So, like, how it looks week one is going to look way different week 10. So, yeah. a lot of uncertainty yeah, for sure. I mean, even though Super Bowl season – because I agree with the plug-and-play part, but because they brought in Danelle Allegri and won a Super Bowl with him, and he really didn't much of anything. But they did have Bradham and Kendricks. So, right. I, I, I do think some kind of talent out there matters. But Jim Schwartz is such a huge Nate Gary guy. So, uh, I don't see Nate Gary not getting any opportunity to be the, the – main linebacker this year and I, and I do think that their 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 depth at safety is going to be able to help them a little bit absolutely because I do and, think Will Parks plays some sub linebacker this year too yeah he plays come on Wallace too could could play Wallace, near the line yeah, yeah Wallace is a great tackler but all right let's go segue to this one so as more time goes on to me and what rumors are out there and articles are out there it seems Avante Maddox appears to have the firm grasp the quarterback too even McLeod which I'm sure you're aware of being at his presser, McLeod handed at his presser during uh, that he 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 seems like he really pegged Maddox to be that cornerback two guy. Uh, should we Ed, should we not read that much into cornerback two competition? I know like all the bloggers and everybody wants to talk about it with the result Douglas, the City Jones, and Monte Maddox. But uh, every, as as more time goes on, as these guys keep talking, it seems like it's Maddox's job to lose. Yeah, well, when your general manager, if you remember, comes out and compares him to Daryl Green, I mean, you know, certainly, you know, that's going to be a high bar for him to get over. But it looks to me like he will be the uh, CB2 opposite Darius Slay and a uh, little undersized Maddox, but he's a battler. He competes. Um, and really, I don't see Sidney Jones. Uh, there's not a lot of faith in Sidney Jones from Jim Schwartz. Really, Sidney Jones struggles with his confidence for, for whatever reason. He can't just put a play behind him. Uh, as quickly as Maddox and Mills can. So uh, I think, yeah, I think a lot's being overblown about that. And Maddox will be the CB2 unless something really crazy happens. But, uh, you know, I, I don't see that happening. And they talked a lot about, you know, when Schwartz Zoomed with us, you know, he talked a lot about playing Nikel Roby Coleman outside too, moving him out from the slot and putting Slay in the slot sometimes to kind of disguise a man-to-man coverage look. So um, you're going to see some interchangeability among the corners. But I think to start games, Maddox will be out there opposite Slay. I agree with you. I think I love the interchangeability because you could put Mills at the slot. You could put uh, Wallace at the slot. Wallace was really good at the slot at Clemson. Uh, they have a lot of guys they can move around. Will Parks played the slot well last year in Denver too. So uh, I agree with that. I like that that outlook too, especially when you have so much questions at quarterback too as is. But to me, Maddox played well there his rookie year though. When they had to force him to move outside, he did play well. I think he Maddox moved more is, through a sophomore slump than anything. Maddox is an is a natural corner, and he has the the biggest thing is confidence. Man, there is no position that you need confidence in more than a cornerback. And Sydney. Sidney Jones has the tools to be a really good corner, but I, I don't – what was that, the the all or nothing? The, he – that was – he was like the most exposed player in that series, in my opinion. He Like, seeing his body oh, language. Oh, yeah, his body language was awful. Yeah. It was – That Minnesota like, game, head down, looked like he was about to cry. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's – Malcolm it's sitting there like – Malcolm yeah. sitting there saying like, like, dude, you got to get over this. Like, like this is – and – 
I, I'm not the biggest Rasul Douglas fan. I, I don't think that he could cover in this league. But the one thing he has is when he lines up, he thinks he's winning the rep, no matter what. And Sidney Jones is the polar opposite. It, it's just not there. And Maddox, though, I think is a good balance. He's got the talent and he's got the confidence. And I've, I've always loved Maddox. There, there's a place somewhere on the field for him, whether it be slot, whether it be outside, whether it be safety even. Um, and, and something to watch, though, we talked about it, is if McLeod gets hurt, I think Maddox is the only other guy who could play single high in this Absolutely. defense. Absolutely. And so if, if, if McLeod gets hurt, it's going to transform a lot. It's going to make a lot of differences on this defense. And that is one player's health that, like, is crucial. That yeah, his, that's – thinking about that just scares me. If McLeod yeah. goes down, that secondary is going to have so much inexperience. But, I mean, outside of Slay, so much – because even Slay is coming into a new – like, his chemistry is going to take a little bit. With this like a, hypo- a, a hypothetical? No if, if, if McLeod gets hurt, you slide Maddox to safety – you may have to slide Mills to corner. Like there could just be so much shuffling. Uh, you probably would have would, to. You probably would have it, to. It, it's going to be – and so hopefully hopefully, with all this – go ahead, sorry. If Jim Schwartz had a choice to play City Jones at corner or Jalen Mills, the answer is obvious right there. Jalen, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully this like low-pressured season will get Sydney some some confidence. But we heard the same sentiment last year. It was he's got a chip on his shoulder. You know he's he's in for a big year, and then mm-hmm. he struggled. It's, he, he's coming into the got, best situation of his career though, because once you have Darius Slay and Nicole Ruby Coleman on the other side, your job just got easier no matter what. Uh, absolutely. So I think that could help. But to me, the confidence thing just always shows. And then not only that, just. Once he gets comp- once those confidence starts hurting, so do these ghost injuries come out of nowhere. His hamstring starts hurting as well. So I, I think he has a talent. I think if you want to talk about who has the most capability, like the, the most potential as a caliber of outside corner on this team as a young guy, it's Sidney Jones, obviously. But if you don't have confidence in Philadelphia, you're not going to last as a player here. You're going to be gone. So uh, I, that's why I'm worried that he doesn't get that. And I don't think his defense coordinator even believes him in in him enough, like Ed alludes to, to, to get to that point. So that's why I don't see it happening here. And Maddox is a Schwartz guy. Once you're a Schwartz guy, you're in. You're Nate Gary, you're Derek Barnett, you're, you're Rondé Maddox. You're in and you're playing a lot. So uh, I don't I, – it's got to be Maddox's job. I, I, I hate talking about this. It's not only that. Russell Douglas had to take a pay cut off his rookie salary. So it's not really like the Eagles were pining to keep him. And I will – I've talked to the, uh, somebody at the Niner Nation with the SB Nation page there, and he said that – the 49ers offered Dante Pettis to the Eagles for Rizzo Douglas, and the Eagles were got too greedy and asked for Matt Burita in return. And that's when the talks fell apart. So it's not like the Eagles are like – like if they're open to moving him, it's just the offer has to be right for them to feel to do so. And they even cut his salary. So to me, it's it's Maddox or, or nothing. If he gets hurt, then that's when the competition really happens. Right, between Douglas and, and uh, Sidney Jones. Jones. Exactly. Yeah. And you, 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 you can't win a Super Bowl unless you have at least one player with dreads in your secondary. And Avante provides that. So we're set. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, I hear you there with that one. <laughs> he doesn't okay, have the so, confidence of it, though. And Aaron Moorhead came out and said that, that Jalen Rager has the swag of a big-time receiver. His comments are getting everybody excited. Uh, I mean, I think there's some kind of background there no matter what because – I know Aaron Moorhead played with Indianapolis with Monte Rager, Jalen Rager's father. I feel like there's he already knows what type of work ethic he's getting in the players. So I feel like his confidence in him is already personally like knowing him. I would say, um, should we should we like 
expect big things for Jalen Rager in his rookie season because now they're now they're starting to feed us the hype into it, and I think a lot of people are getting excited. Uh, for me, I think when it hits midseason, it's when we're really going to start seeing Jalen Rager get hit his stride. I think that playmaking ability he brings is just something the Eagles haven't had from a young player. Uh, so I think they're I think it's going to work. I think you're going to see some kind of spark from Jalen Rager this season. I don't think it's going to be like a Nelson Aguilar rookie season or uh, OJ Jarosinger Whiteside rookie season. There's too much playmaking ability there for the Eagles not to exploit. Uh, but now you have your new wide receiver coach who really doesn't know Jack about the team and is coming into his first camp. And he's already like, Greg Ward's a leader on this team. Jalen Rager has such swag. Like, should we be excited too? Oh, yeah. Well, he's a first-round pick. He better come in and contribute. You know, they didn't get much from their first-round pick last year in Andre Dillard. Now this year they're going to have to get something from him. But, yeah, he you know, he came in with, with uh, a lot of hype, and that hype's not going to go away. Um, but you're right. It could be a little while before he really, you know, they take the wraps off of him. It's kind of the way Miles Sanders was last year. You know, he didn't uh, come in right away and light the world on fire. It took him some time to get going, and by the end of the year – he was in the conversation for rookie of the year. So, you know, that could be a similar setup with Jalen Rager. But, you know, I think there are more ways to get him involved, too. I mean, you can he's got a running back background. You can use him on jet sweeps. He's returned punts. He had uh, 20.8 yards per return in the punt game for TCU last year. I mean, this guy can be your punt returner day one, uh, and he can make things happen in that regard. So I think you're going to see him involved on the offensive side of the ball. It, you know, it might not be – you know, 80% of the reps, but, you know, he's going to have a role in this team from day one, um, whatever that role looks like. But I expect that he'll probably be uh, more effective as the season goes on just because of the off season and just because he's probably going to be uh, behind Deshaun Jackson a lot of the time. Now, if Jackson gets hurt, then Rager's going to be thrust right into this thing. So you just hope Jackson can hang on for the first month of the season until Rager can get his, his NFL legs under him. But being raised by a father who played in the NFL, granted at a different position, defensive tackle, you know, that certainly helps too. I mean, he's familiar with, you know, how to be a professional, um, what the game looks like from having been around it from a young age. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I think you should be excited about him. And I think Moorhead said the right thing. He, he does have swagger. He does feel like he belongs in this league. And that's a big part of it, that mental game. You look at J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, I don't think he fully believes he belongs in the game. Uh, at this moment, just based on what he did last year. But Rager believes he belongs in the game, and he's been around the game, so he has a good base. Right. That, that, preparation from, that, that preparation from your having your dad be an NFL player and knowing what it takes to uh, become one and succeed in the preparation and the work that goes into it, I think that is such a huge factor that goes into it. I love that you alluded to that as well. Uh, let's, let's keep going, though. Brandon Graham predicts a big year for Derek Barnett. That's like one of his big – most polarizing statements he had from his opening press conference. Uh, I know when you came on previous episodes, we alluded to the fact that the Javon Hargrave addition is going to help Derek Barnett out tremendously because uh, I believe offensive tackles will be chip blocking a lot more, which gives Barnett more opportunities to win with his leverage, which he's proven that he can do very well. Uh, should we be should we be listening to uh, Brandon, what Brandon Graham's saying? Should we be expecting a big year from Derek Barnett? Everybody's talking about Derek Barnett. Fletcher Cox talked about him, Brandon Graham, Matt Burke. I mean, everybody's expecting a big year. But for Barnett, it always starts with his health. Uh, he's got to stay healthy. And, yeah, I think he is a talented player who can hit double-digit sacks, like you mentioned, the addition of Hargrave, but he has to stay healthy. You know, you look at the first three years of his career, he's got 14 sacks. Brandon Graham, after his first three years, and he struggled with injury, he had the microfracture surgery. He had, I think, like eight and a half sacks or somewhere around there. But 
far fewer than uh, Barnett had. So sometimes it takes a little longer for pass rushers in the NFL to develop unless you're a top five guy like the Bosa brothers or, or, or somebody along those lines. And, you know, Barnett just needs to stay healthy. And if he stays healthy and everybody thinks he's poised for a big year, I think he'll have a big year too. Yeah, I, I think he's poised for a big year. I just I don't I don't think his big year will speak to the volume of tight caliber player he is. But I do think I think the Hargrave addition and then Malik Jackson being back healthy just opens so much doors for him. I think a yep. lot of people forget that the last two years they've had a revolving door at defensive tackle too, which plays into the effect of Barnett as well. So I I, I do agree with you. I think Barnett could have a good year this year. Uh, I just I'm glad they brought Vinny Curry back still. But uh, Tyler, you had something to say? I, there's a few things. I mean, we're talking about all this versatility, all this depth, right? Because, you know, we're talking Barnett and you just said all the names on the D line. Is this like the most pressure that Jim Schwartz has on him since he's been in Philly? As far as putting pressure on the quarterback or just, like- I just, I just mean like as far as expectations, because defense, they've always had a strong D line, but the secondary has always been kind of meh. He's, he's brought in his guys. I mean, I think his first year he had McKelvin, like, as far as fair. expectations, that's fair. I think that's I a mean, fair thing to say. I mean, that's that's not something I thought about before, but now that you're saying it, it's. I mean, I, mean, I he has I his number one corner. He has a, I think, a top five caliber nickel corner. He has, I don't, I don't want to say the best defensive end depth, but he has. I mean, Jim Schwartz believes in Derek Barnett more than anyone on this planet. Javon Hargrave is the best defensive tackle they've added outside of Fletcher Cox. I mean, excuse me, two next two Fletcher Cox. Emily Jackson, who we've known has been a Pro Bowl caliber player in this league and plays the position very well. Once you finally like have that I, number one corner, there, I, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, this, maybe maybe we look at Jim Schwartz and like say, hey, your seat needs to be a little warm this year because if this defense doesn't perform, if it, if they have a leaky secondary again or or the the pass rush doesn't get it done like it was last year, I think some, and and there's no injuries, right? There needs to be questions that need to be raised for sure. I would believe. Uh, I don't know where you guys are with expectations, but I, this defense should be flirting with the top 10, should be a top 10 defense or so. And I, I, I don't so. just, I would expect that to be honest yeah. with you. That D line is too good. And then you, you went out and you got your number one corner. Finally, you got your legit nickel corner, which you had your Super Bowl season. So you know how important that is. I know losing Malcolm hurts, but you did replace him with a lot of bodies. You could play the position. So it's not just one guy replacing him. It's three. So, and McLeod is Coming off the year, it's his uh, second season back from a major injury. I think his play is going to be better than it was last year, and I thought he played pretty well last year. So, I agree with you, Tyler. I kind of think we need to look at Jim Schwartz and say, "Hey, you need to you need the results need to be there this year." And plus, they kind of listened to him and they they got rid of the D line coach. They got rid of they brought in his guy oh, Matt Burke to be. He's the got D-line complete. Coach. Yeah, he's got yeah, complete it's, control it's over Jim this. Schwartz this year, I think if it doesn't if they don't play well as a defensive unit, they're not top seven unit. That's disappointing, and then you gotta look at Jim Schwartz. Yeah, but yeah. circling circling back, circling back to to Barnett, I do think that this offense is going to have a lot of leads. So I do think that this this D line is going to be able to get after it. So I think that there is a chance that Barnett can flirt with with ten to twelve sacks. It's somebody's got to get him. I do. I I also think that Hargrave could lead the league or lead the, the team in sacks, which would be just kind of crazy. Yeah, Bud Dupree owes his franchise tag money to Javon Hargrave. He owes, <laughs> right. Javon Hargrave is such a body eater. He eats up so much of the interior line. Or that's why I'm saying I know for a fact he's going to force offensive tackles to chip block, which puts Derek Barnett in such great positioning. Fletcher, Fletcher is definitely happy. Fletcher's definitely happy. Um, yeah. But no, but Barnett just can't bull rush. 
That's his number one thing. He's a very terrible bull rusher. Those opportunities aren't going to be as much this year because the offensive tackle has to help out the interior guard and chip block Javon Hargrave or else he's going to get after the quarterback because he's a very underrated pass rusher as well. Sorry, I ran yeah, out of he's breath quick. There, sorry. Yeah, no, his Javon Hargrave's game is speed, man. That guy's quick off the ball. He's only about six one, but man, he's fast. And if he comes off the line and in this attack uh, style of defense that Schwartz likes to play, I mean, he's going to have a big year. I mean, in Pittsburgh, uh, it's really not an attack style defense from your defensive uh, lineman. It's more occupied blockers and that linebackers make the play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in Philadelphia, Schwartz likes to turn his guys loose up front, and you know. Hargrave's speed's really going to have to be a factor up front, and it will be. And like you said, uh, it's going to cause some tackles to do some chip block, and then you have Fletcher Cox on the other side. I mean, this could be a field day for some of the ends in this defense, not just Barnett, but maybe guys like Josh Sweat too or, um, you know, whoever else gets in there. Vinnie Carey maybe, uh, you know. So I think the ends are going to have a good time in this defense with these three tackles if they can stay healthy uh, penetrating up front. Yeah, and that's fresh why Blake I, Jackson I, helps too. He's fresh, fresh off the he, season where he pretty much is coming off a vacation year. So, fresh I, I, in there. this is why I never understood the 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 potential clowny to the Eagles. Like we just mentioned, there's so much depth here, and then we also hit it on Barnett wouldn't get his chance if like Griffin or somebody was signed. Like there's young guys that you're trying to get an answer on, but there's also enough depth here where you're not relying on just one guy. There's there's uncertainty on a few guys, so somebody should be able to step up eventually. Right. It's and an if, added if, asset instead of a necessity because their defensive line is good enough as is to be a top unit in the NFL. They don't need to go out and get a client. They don't need to go out and get a grip. If they do, it's just an added asset. But right. Their interior is just so much better than it's been in years past where they had to load up on the edge depth to the point where I'm, I'm okay with it now because a lot of people aren't looking at it that way. They still think we need defensive ends. They're not looking into the fact that they're loaded up in the interior now. Because before then, it was Tim Jernigan and then a bunch of guys. And then Tim Jernigan would get hurt. And then it was Bo Allen who was, I mean, we know he was an average player. He wasn't really a pass rusher in the system anyways. Um, yeah. Now it's, if if Javon Hargrave gets hurt, okay. But at least you have Malik Jackson. And if Malik Jackson gets hurt, Hassan Ridgeway did look good when he was healthy. So uh, Even Anthony Rush. I mean, Anthony Rush didn't Anthony play a lot. Rookie got Williams on. that they got from Michigan State as an undrafted free agent. I, I, yes. I, I, yeah. I, so sure. I like it. But, all right, Ed, another question I have since we brought him up. Did the Eagles upgrade the D-line this offseason, as we keep alluding to, but did they also have coach, do you think? Is Matt Burke going to be a, a significant difference above Philip Daniels? Uh, probably too soon to say. I mean, he, him and Schwartz have a long history, obviously. You know, Schwartz gave him his chance back in 2004 when he kind of cold-called, uh, when Schwartz cold-called. Uh, Burke out of the blue. He was working at Harvard at the time as an assistant. He's a Dartmouth grad. So Schwartz knew something about him. He called him for a quality control job in Tennessee. He flew down, he got the job, and then he just kind of outworked everybody else and he hung around. But um, Burke's been on his own a couple times. He was the DC, the defensive coordinator in Miami uh, for two seasons. He was a linebackers coach in Cincinnati. But, you know, the first nine years of his coaching career was spent with Schwartz. So, you know, he's got a lot of similar philosophies in Schwartz Mm -hmm. with me tweaks of having uh, been around a couple different teams but um, too soon to tell if he'll make a difference I'm not sure what Philip Daniels did wrong other than he wasn't friends with uh, you know or good friends I should say with Matt or with Jim Schwartz so uh, yeah we'll see I mean I I I don't know much about Burke other than just his history but how he is as a coach the players seem to like him they think that you know he's he's bringing some energy to the room 
Um, but I don't know how different that is than Philip Daniels. And you did write a good article for that for the Eagles uh, Mavin page on Sports Illustrated. If you guys want to check that out, I did highlight Matt Burke's association with Jim Schwartz to a good blank. I thought Matt Burke did well as a defense coordinator in Miami. I think he was just a scapegoat of everything that was going wrong with Adam Gaze. Yeah. Uh, the deep- so I, I, yeah. Yeah. So I think Matt Burke, I mean, obviously we don't know from, from an upgrade standpoint, but I, I kind of, if the defensive line is more like attacking wise this year, you see more like an attacking style. A vicious type of cycle this year then because I felt like it was a little lackadaisical last year I want to say I know the injuries obviously played a part but uh if I see some more ferocious like the 2017 type hype from this defensive line then to me I think that they made the right choice for your Matt Burke and that's just my opinion but last thing to hit on for until we end this episode uh I wrote about it and we talked about it all fair I thought bringing Vinny Curry back was a necessity I wrote that he was the fifth in pass rush win rate when facing two plus two-plus blockers last season, which is incredible to me since he was such a limited uh, player as is. So he's coming off his best season as a pass rusher uh, in the limited role. He doesn't complain about it either, which gives you more time to evaluate Barnett, which is what we alluded to in his really like contract year. I know it's his fifth-year option next year, but they really need to decide if they want to invest long-term Barnett still. And he costs like next to nothing. So do you get the sense this would have got done sooner if this tragedy to Curry's brother didn't happen? Do you think Vinny Curry would have been signed with the Eagles and nothing would what? We wouldn't hey, be talking I- about this at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Vinny Curry probably would have been signed back in, you know, May, April, gotcha. somewhere back there. Um, but, you know, he's got familiarity with the def- uh, yeah, with the defense, so there was no rush to get him in there. Just let him grieve. He loves the Eagles organization, grew up a huge fan of the organization. So he was probably always going to come back here if the Eagles wanted him, and clearly they did for his experience, and they knew that. And that's, like Power said, you know, that's another reason they probably didn't jump in all in on Davian Clowney and Everson Griffin and – uh, you know, some of those other pass rushers that were out there because they knew they had Vinny. Now, Vinny's a good scheme fit for them. He's a good experience fit. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that he's back here. And like you said, it was the death of his brother that led to him uh, delaying on coming back. But with that right. said, guys, I have a 110 uh, Zoom call with Will Parks here. The Eagles are making Will Parks available. Um, and we're you need to get to that. You need to get to that call immediately so we can read yeah. an article about that. So, um, trying to get Avante Maddox so he would be you know we just talked about so he'd be a good one we're we're gonna wrap this up so I can go ahead and get into these zoom calls again Ed is our new Eagles insider for Eagles Brawl you will hear him on here frequently we will plug in on the details where you can find him on Twitter where you can find Eagle Sports Illustrated Eagle Mavin on Sports Illustrated you can read all his articles we'll plug that in the details as well Ed welcome aboard to Eagles Brawl we're excited to have you on and bring more of this insight to more episodes Thanks, guys. I'm excited too, man. Good, good to be with you. Awesome. Go birds! Go birds! What's going on, guys? It's Connor from Eagles Brawl here. Have you been struggling to find an affordable car detailing company lately? Are those noticeable scratches on your lovely vehicle making you agitated every time you see them? Well, I have just a spot for you. Check out Why Not Us Detailing, an auto detailing company serving Chester County and the Philadelphia area. From wash and wax to paint correction, Why Not Us Detailing does it all. Call 610-425-7239 to schedule your appointment today. That's 610-425-7239. You can also reach the company on Instagram by following their page, Why Not Us Detailing. Tell the guys Eagles Brawl sent you for discounts on your next automobile service. Give Why Not Us Detailing a chance to make your car shine today. 
Discover the new 3-Step Pro Partial Range, specifically designed to clean your partials and remaining teeth in three simple steps. Clean your partial, strengthen your natural teeth, protect your whole mouth. Stand up to further tooth loss with Polident Pro Partial, available at Walmart. Discover the new 3-Step Pro Partial Range, specifically designed to clean your partials and remaining teeth in three simple steps. Clean your partial, strengthen your natural teeth, protect your whole mouth. Stand up to further tooth loss with Polident Pro Partial, available at Walmart. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.